Johnny, thank you so much for making time in what I think is probably, I don't know, 9 a.m., what maybe in your part of the world? 8 a.m. here, light, light's just starting, sun's just starting to come up, yeah. But, 8 a.m. Uh, yeah, but it's very early for this sort of thing, but thank you very much. Um, I just wanted to do our usual uh, interview layout that we've been doing for a very long time uh, with various agency owners, but I wanted to get you to kick off and maybe tell us a bit about yourself, your agency, and how it differs from the rest of the field. Okay, yeah, so first of all, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on. Um, early mornings are fine, gets us out of bed. So, um, yeah, so Vanquish have been going in this form for about two and a half years. Um, my background is kind of over 20 years in um, physical product and brand building. Um, so I've had various companies and then transcended into e-commerce companies um been involved then in in um sale to private equity um and joined the board there and and assisted with running running one of my businesses beyond that and and decided that um corporate life wasn't for me so um we we built vanquish with with one thing in mind which was that you know we wished that we had um this kind of a, a service and a product when we were running our own um brands really so we just found a huge hole didn't exist um so effectively we built a model for uh, end-to-end international expansion and scale um and we feel that we do that in a in a in a very unique way um and effectively you know we're, we're channel agnostic so we don't rely just upon amazon um and we we've got international expansion as a core competence whereas a lot of other agencies will obviously look to outsource that kind of thing and um kind of stitch together a patchwork solution um and and finally our accelerator model which usually comes after um the full expansion stuff is uh we call it our alliance model which is differing completely to to other accelerators because it's a um a win-win kind of shared uh, shared revenue scenario so that's got a lot of people excited so in a nutshell that's what we're doing interesting i think the thing that caught my eye is the whole expansion mentality like i see in my linkedin feed you know you're the guy it's always the comment is like you got to go multi-channel got to go global and you know that's that, that that's what caught my eye when i think of you but um i guess just on that point then in terms of like content so you know you've got some great case studies on your website, you know, talking about Oco and Lamel. Um, t- tell us about how, you know, multi-channel expansion plays a role in those sorts of scenarios, if you can. Yeah, so obviously every brand is different and, you know, some, it depends on the site. So two two that you've mentioned there, one is a, one is a personal care product this big, another is a, a homewares product probably this big. So, just depends entirely so for some you know amazon presents an obvious solution to just go straight into a new market and we can leverage things like fba and you know it's it's a great way in but for others with oversized products and things that are a little bit more um a bit bit more big and bulky if you like um you know the scenario is totally different and you have to kind of look at where does where does 
um, outside fulfillment come into play so that we're not affecting Amazon's inventory scores. Um, and, you know, kind of what, what does outbound freight look like? And so in that scenario, it kind of naturally presents itself that Amazon's not always the only solution. I think with particularly with things like home and lifestyle products, we'll often look at that and see that 20 to 30% of sales are coming from places like Wayfair, Overstock, Bed Bath & Beyond, places like that. Um, well, the two have merged now, actually. But So, yeah, off, off Amazon channels, totally depending on brand. But I think, generally speaking, you know, brands that that are aggressive and consider themselves a true a true brand that want to go out there and um build something meaningful with a strong exit multiple or a good a good solid retained profit are looking at multi-channel i think everybody's everybody seems to be excited about that it's just navigating that get it get it i just want to drill down on something there like you just talked about building a proper brand and getting a, a nice exit multiple. Is that through the perspective of, you know, if you're a single channel reliant brand, you have this centralization risk. So when you, when you talk about that, are you talking about like diversification of revenue being a good thing or, you know, it's actually, it's a great opportunity and you, you can show more growth. Like what's, what lens are you, are you kind of like applying in terms of like multi-channel relating to a good exit multiple? Um, well, I think obviously my, my background and, and experience with private equity gave me a lot of insight into um, into the exit piece, and I think whether whether that event will actually be um, will actually culminate in a in a an actual exit or whether it will continue to be a business that you loan forever, I think the end goal is the same, and that is to maximise the um, you know the the EBITDA in the business. So I think. When you look at multiples, you can kind of see the progression. So I think we, I've done some posts on this, and we have some infographics that we that we show around. But effectively, you know, if you imagine that that a wholesale company selling to retail stores has probably got a one or two times multiple, you can kind of follow that through as a progression as to how that works in terms of going online is probably, you know, probably pivots into a three x. Um, going international probably pivots into a four or five X and then that diversification of risk, which you kind of touched on is, is particularly attractive to um, institutional um, acquirers because obviously the, the less eggs in one basket, the more, um, the more exciting and saleable and solid a company is. So absolutely the multiples go up in a business if you know if there's if they're spread across their their kind of sales um sources in a nutshell get it that's clear yeah um so looking at the other side of the coin here um you know obviously lots of folks talk about multi-channel being a distraction maybe that's maybe that's a something that comes out in a particular region but um clearly you have a have a different view and I know we just touched on what maybe why you have a different view, the PE background, but what is the foundation for that perspective of, you know, multi-channel not being a distraction and actually it is a really good thing for the business? Well, I think, you know, ultimately what, what's a distraction and what's not a distraction? I think, um, 
everything in some way is a distraction in in our business but it comes down to um you know what else what else are you going to do i think i think if you haven't if you're kind of at 30 percent and you've got another 70 percent you could do on amazon because you're out you're constantly out of inventory or you're constantly running out of ad budget and you're not pushing the throttle in in various areas then absolutely you know focus in and exploit one channel but what we're seeing more and more is that you know brands are coming to us and saying you know we've either peaked and plateaued at a certain level on one channel and let's say for example that's amazon um and we're in in some in many markets i know particularly the uk and the us usa you know you're seeing that flip on its head and say it's actually reducing because you know there's more competition ad ad spend is is going up because of that so it's kind of it's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy so what do you do well you can either just keep pushing harder and kind of watching your air costs go up and you know continue to spend on ads and you could probably bring in new SKUs, which again new SKUs are, are a risky thing it one in i think one in 10 SKUs, new SKUs fail so it's kind of like a new SKU is like a new business effectively and and all that comes with building that traction so um you can either look at it as as a distraction or you can look at it as well actually for a lot of people particularly now there seems to be more excitement around um or in some cases not even excitement just absolute you know desperation of how do we how do we get past this plateau and this wall that we've hit so um you know not a distraction at all but but a necessity for those people so i think it comes down to again as you as you mentioned the true brand scenario if you really want to push push past being an amazon seller because being frank you know being an amazon seller it's not your business it's amazon's business and you're kind of a a, a part of their business if you want to go beyond that and become something bigger you've got to have you know challenges or call them distractions or whatever that's i guess why we're all in business yep yep no i hear now um throwing another lens on this <laughs> how do you think this this multi-channel multi-geography um will affect agencies how, how how does that like obviously go back a couple of years none of them would talk about it now it seems to be more of a popular topic so what's your perspective how will it affect agencies going forward yeah well we're seeing the uh, good question we're seeing the effect of that um uh on a daily basis really i think we we don't go out to you know personally we don't go out to compete with agencies we we support them um and I think that's a good thing as well. So as well as, you know, having our um, direct relationships with brands, we're also supporting agencies, you know, and, and helping them to do this piece. And I think going back to what you say, yeah, it's a challenge for them because um, there's kind of two camps, you know, brands are coming to them and saying, we'd like to expand overseas. And um, agencies are either saying, yes, we can do it, and going off and trying to patch things together and come up with a solution which is is dangerous and risky you know for a brand it's not something to kind of just uh, you know sellotape together um but we are seeing that happening um and you know alternately we're seeing brands say look we need to gear up to be able to do this 
but it's you know it's it's a vastly specialist area so we've kind of set out to say to them look you don't need to go off and try to learn how to do this stuff and build the capabilities in-house we've already got it we can support you and and help you to do that so we've got an agency program and we're helping lots of agencies on a daily basis to do that so absolutely you know they need to be au fait with it but they don't necessarily have to be able to do it in-house they can rely on a on a partnership to do it get it that's i mean that's very interesting and certainly opens up a lot of opportunities for you um now i guess changing gears just a little bit um next three questions i want to talk about technology events and just new markets in general so the technology one i wanted to hit you with was uh, you know and it's probably good timing given what you're what you're probably looking at in terms of making a decision um as agencies move like their clients into multiple geos and markets and what have you you know how do you see kind of technology playing a role in that do you like for example do you, you do you think new tools will pop up or you know agencies will revise their technology stacks like what where's your thinking at in terms of the technology side of of agencies moving geo and multi-channel um well yeah i mean there's 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 obviously heaps and heaps of new tools coming out to assist with it um and you know i think again there's two there's two sides to it there's there's the ai conversation and there's the um you know straight straight kind of tool uh, conversation and i think ai um i was having a conversation with a mutual friend of ours uh, martin zerudo uh last week and we were talking about ai and and the effect that it's having on on some brands and agencies and i think the big mistake with with that is that a lot of them are relying directly upon AI to just do the job. So they're just saying, look, things like translations when you're going overseas, they're just saying, let the tool do the job. Um, and, you know, building listings, there's a tool for that. It'll do it in 30 seconds or whatever, and so on, you know, right across the board of what's available. And I think from an AI perspective, again, it's dangerous because humans have got this awful lazy habit of thinking that a tool will just do the job but you know i think the real the real standouts are the are the people and brands that still understand that it takes brains and and a real you know creative human being to inform an ai tool how to do its job so um you can tell you can tell a listing that's been generated even by the best ai tool you can just tell and if you're if you're native to a to a country like France and you see listings that have been AI generated, you can just you can see them a mile away if you're a native French buyer. So it's 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 going to be destructive. So I think therein there's an opportunity for people to say, well, yeah, we need the tools, but we have to leverage them and combine our own uh, sensibility with it as well. So that's that's kind of the AI side of it. And I think, you know, tool-wise, you know, absolutely, there's no way that you can go multi-channel, multinational, um, and and blow things up without a, a, a very, very hefty tool stack, you know. And obviously, things like uh, Merchant Spring are just absolutely essential, being able to see... Um, being able to see from one dashboard all of your sales and all of your 
you know, you, you, the brands that you're managing, things like that. It's going to quickly run out of control, and it does for many people. You'd be amazed how many are still using, you know, spreadsheets and flicking across 20 screens and disparate data, um, you know, incoherent reporting. It's still, it's still rife. So I think absolutely it's crucial when you're going multi-channel uh, and, and global to get, get it right. It. Get it. All right. I, I kind of expected that answer, but you definitely delivered it in a very pos po uh, polished way. So yeah. <laughs> and, um, next thing was events, right? So are you big on events, like, you know, e-commerce events? And and which which ones, if any, are you planning to attend in 2024? Well, again, I, we used to do kind of all of the ones that we could do, but I think uh, I think just before we press record, I think we both agree that bandwidth is a, is a major issue now, and kind of getting your priorities right and where you're going to expend your time is uh, is just crucial. Really, it's it's busy. Everybody wants us from you know one one direction to another. So we do one that's kind of non-negotiable is is Prosper. Um, <laughs> You know, obviously, that's the one that I think it's great for networking with, you know, other other providers, you know, tool providers, brands, you know, anybody that we kind of really need to connect with. It's a great place to do it. So we'll do that. But otherwise, we're kind of more focused on, um, rather than industry, we're kind of more focused on trade show events that brands are exhibiting at so we can get around them, talk to them, touch and feel the product. So we get we get people out to as many of those ones as we can across across the US and Europe really yeah get it okay that is great because i'm uh, now looking forward to bumping into you next year um yeah yeah no it'd be good look forward to it the final question and um i'm trying to steer your answer a little bit here because i'm quite interested um so since you've got such a global multi-channel view right if you're in the UK or you know, you tell me the answer, but if you're in a particular country that you're familiar with, uh, where where are you seeing the most potential at the moment? So just give us like a, a geo and a channel. So if you're maybe if you're in the US, what's the most opportun opportunistic geo and channel? Or maybe if you're in the UK, what's the most, you know, uh, potential new geo and channel? Okay. So obviously, like, like all of these things, it's not a straightforward answer, but um as <laughs> as straightforward as as it can possibly be um i think we talk a lot about manufacturing blue oceans so you know it sounds like a bit of um, a bit of jargon but we talk about saying well you know if if the market's saturated for 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 somebody it's you know it's a blue ocean for somebody else like the you know one man's meat is another man's poison type scenario and the reason for that is because if you're a, a European brand, let's say you're a British brand, and we do a lot of British brands into America, mm -hmm. American brands, uh, American consumers have a, good, a great affinity with British brands, for example. So, you know, everything they, they perceive as, not everything, that's an overstatement, but they perceive a lot of what comes out of Britain as being, you know, quality and, and with prestige and so on. So... You've kind of got to work to that and, and ensure that your brand's positioned to that rather than kind of going in and trying to beat people at their own game. So in that sense, 
you know, there's there's tons of room. It's not saturated if you come into it with the right with the right mindset. And the same is vice versa. You know, if you can come into Europe, um, bearing in mind that only two percent of, for example, two percent of US brands ever cross the Atlantic and and sell in Europe, which is crazy. So, you know, and and given that there's sixty odd percent um, less sellers in the in the e-commerce market in Europe, it's just wide open. So, um, the opportunity kind of to do that is. Um, is dependent on where you're coming from and you can manufacture that blue ocean. But in terms of, you know, where the big opportunities are, um, we kind of, let's, let's take the UK for it. For example, we'll kind of say that the U S is the next best place to go and vice versa for, for, for us to, to Europe really. Um, and the last frontier is, is Asia. So, you know, Asia's got huge, obviously phenomenal opportunity, but it's the last frontier of e-commerce, in my opinion, because it's the most difficult market to conquer. Um, but yeah, you know, we're seeing Asia with a twelve percent annual growth, um, and even places like pop-up places like um, Mena and the UAE. You know, that's kind of an outsider that's emerging quickly, and they're at I think twelve percent annual growth. So we're seeing a lot there. Um, and in terms of channels, again, we could pick any example, but in the US, for example, depending on the brand, if it's a home and lifestyle brand, which we tend to work with a lot, not exclusively, but a lot, a nice combination of um, some something like Amazon, which is um, advertising hungry, uh, combined with something like Wayfair or Overstock, which is you know, more dropship friendly. We're seeing that that does wonders for an overall tacos in the business and uh, kind of does wonders for the, for the bottom line. So something like that as a, as a way in would be great. Uh, you know, hope that gives you a good enough answer to that question. No, that's great. That's great. Because um, especially you mentioning Wayfair and basically anything that's not Amazon. That's great. I love that answer. Um, yeah. <laughs> Look, we're about to, we just hit uh, 22 minutes and I am, am conscious of time. So firstly, thank you very much for, for sharing your thoughts. I, I I really enjoyed it and I'm sure people listening to this will actually find it quite insightful, uh, you know, how you think about the different markets and how it ties to value and so on. So really appreciate it, Johnny. And um, yeah, I hope to have you back for another session. Yeah, likewise. No, thanks so much for your time. And uh, I'll go and start my day with a with a cup of English tea, I think. <laughs> Good one, mate. <laughs> okay, great. Take care. Thanks for your time.